0: Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, January the 26th in 2023 on When I Rise. Today we continue year A, the fourth Sunday after Epiphany. And on the Thursday of the week, I'd like to take a look at the New Testament letter passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary in this week of the church's calendar year. And so we find ourselves back in the book of 1 Corinthians, like the last couple of weeks. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31. So let me read that passage Probably a couple of points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us party in morning and when our eyes, let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. First Corinthians chapter one, verses eighteen through thirty-one. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are being destroyed but it is the power of God for those of us who are being saved. It is written in scripture, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will reject the intelligence of the intelligent. Where are the wise? Where are the legal experts? Where are today's debaters? Hasn't God made the wisdom of the world foolish? In God's wisdom, he determined that the world wouldn't come to know him through its wisdom. Instead, God has was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of preaching. Jews ask for signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, which is a scandal to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those of us who are being called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. This is because the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Look at your situation when you were called, brothers and sisters. By ordinary human standards, not many were wise. Not many were powerful. Not many were of the upper class. But God chose what the world considers foolish to shame the wise. God chose what the world considers weak to shame the strong. And God chose what the world considers... One second too many pages here. Three hours later. Low class and low life, what is considered to be nothing, to reduce what is considered to be something to nothing. So no human being can brag in God's presence. It is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus. He became wisdom from God for us. This means that he made us righteous and holy and he delivered us. This is consistent with what is written. The one who brags should brag in the Lord. This is the Word of God for us. So the Apostle Paul was one that um, Scholar Interite called a creation monotheist. What does he mean? means that one Creator God created this good world, a world that God loves. Now that seems like a simple statement to those of us who've been Christian for a long time. But Paul is a a gutsy orator. He's going to these different places in the Greco-Roman Empire, and there's different operating softwares uh, that help people put together what is reality, uh, what is truth, uh, what is the meaning of life, and why are we here, like all the big questions, right? And there's a fair amount of them in the Greco-Roman world that would say that the world is neatly divided into two categories. That which is like spirit and that which is matter or um, concrete, okay? And the general assumption there was that anything of spirit was holy and anything of matter was evil. So when he comes marching out saying that uh, the wisdom from God for us comes not from the spirit realm, but from a crucified and risen Messiah of Israel. Uh, people have uh, some questions that they're just begging to ask the Apostle Paul, like, "How could this be?" Because these things you're saying are hard for us to comprehend. It doesn't fit into our operating software, right? So, one of the things that I've just uh, that I've gathered over time. And this is a theory that can be challenged. I think it's a theory that I'm working with. Maybe you're working with the same or a different theory. Is that um, the, the Bible doesn't seem to have the category of like secular and sacred? Okay. Um, secular being something that is totally uh, detached from the world of God or the religious world. It's something that's completely, quote unquote, from the world with no other influence, right? That might have been a term that we have adopted over time. Of course, there's a great philosophical, sociological tradition that talks about secular and secularism. It seems to be a term that we use quite a bit in the life of the church, particularly the modern church. But it seems like in the biblical voice, once again, this is to working theory. There's just two categories. There is the sacred and there is the profane. Because within uh, the life of the faithful, from Old Testament to New Testament to the early church that's shaped uh, by those first communities, they have to admit that God has done this interesting wager in the world. uh, By taking on human form, Walking among us and cherishing life itself and being raised back into a physical body, even after this cruel world crucified him. God is saying, I love this world, I'm committed to this world, this world is mine, and I want to redeem it from the middle of all its mess. So it's not, it doesn't settle all the tension and all the categorizing things in the world, the sketching of our world to say these things are spiritual and these things are secular okay i tend to say i tend to think this how okay 20 years of pastoral ministry leadership at some level what i've sensed is that a lot of times secular is used for those highly influential things that are that that are in uh, provocative things in the world that the church can't ignore Um, we've been able to ignore a lot of things Uh, we ignore uh, certain artists and music because it's just way outside of what we call Christianity okay but then there's like some of the stuff that's kind of uh, in the middle like where it's quote unquote safe to listen to it's actually enjoyable to experience and to listen to or to uh, partake in and to understand but it's not exactly Christian so we we don't want to be those like stick in the muds that say oh that's just completely profane and so we just call we have this like this band that we call secular okay we can't deny that it's good maybe for some people or for us at a depth or it's influential okay because we don't want to be like i don't know like really judgmental all right we we just want to say okay that thing is not exactly christian but we have to admit that it's influential and there's something about it now i've been in different parts of the church that are um, more comfortable or less comfortable with quote-unquote s- s- you know secular things Uh, But I think what we sense in the Christian tradition is that we live an embodied experience. We live in a a creative world. We're we're around things that uh, on their flat face, uh, they may not be um, easily defined as spiritual, but we enjoy them at a depth. And so we've got to somehow categorize these things. Okay, so into all this mess, the the Apostle Paul tries to communicate. Remember, once again, he's he's winding up to challenge the Corinthian church to some pretty significant things okay and the, the first particular thing is that they lack unity and they tend to pick some teachers and preachers over others and those who baptize over others and there's disunity when it comes to how they worship together and so Paul wants to like teach them but he has to carve out a category a category that they all can agree that they needed to grapple with and help inform their everyday life and so Paul says Sure, there is wisdom that is out there, and it's something that people are tuning their ears to, but it might not be the wisdom uh, that ultimately leads us to the knowledge of Christ. He's like, I need to give you a new framework. The wisdom that we seek and the good things that we seek and the power that we trust in is not exactly the wisdom, the good stuff, and the power that other people trust in. But at the very center of Christianity is an upside-down event called the crucifixion. And the cross is the power of God that's rescuing us. It's also the power and wisdom that's continuing to inform us. And so before Paul wages into some very delicate conversations with this church, he says, let's all agree that we're going to seek Christ in order to help us to navigate forward this has been a helpful thing for us to imagine as well so right now in modern america we would say that we're maybe in a post-christian society what does that mean it means that american society at one level wasn't uh densely uh committed to christianity uh, there might have been many of the early families that came over to America that established the country they may have been practicing Christians. There are certainly churches and there are certainly um, you no know, attempts to try to uh, have mission movements in the American colonies. but um, over time there's there's there a sense where the popularity of Christianity grew in America and that's that was a while ago and we've we've kind of gone from from that place to now where, Less and less people are turning up in church. Now they might classify themselves as Christian on like some sort of a, a data sheet in order to kind of fill out something. But when it came to when it comes down to like the practices of a Christian, which is you know regular attending worship, maybe uh, certain habits and practices of human life that it may not measure up to the amount of people that we would hope and expect in a country like ours. So we're like in post-Christian America. And so we want to engage in this world and uh, we've got a sense of like, Hey, we want to bear witness to what God is doing and what used to be pretty easy in that we just would like have churches everywhere and open up doors and just assume that people would arrive at some point where they'd hear the teaching inside the church. Those days seem to be gone. Now Jesus is on the open market of one of many options. That's just simply the reality. And I think you and I know that because of the community of friends that we have. That's not something that we need more data from Barna, like to like conclude. No, it just seems to be the case. Less and less people might think less and less like us than ever before. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, how are we going to make an appeal to the world around us? What type of Christ do we want to present? And so this is the exact same thing that Paul's doing here and the Christ that he wants to appeal, uh, to appeal from to the Corinthian people is one who lowered himself in humility, who trusted in God's power to raise him from the dead and a God who's strong enough that um, as, as we collect ourselves as a community, we could say that one, we, we have some plurality, some diversity. One thing that we agree on is that Christ was crucified and he was gloriously raised and we put our trust in that mysterious event it's the very power that's changing us. It's the very power that's changing the world around us, right? So notice where we're starting. We're not starting with like cultural issues, cultural war issues. We're not starting there. We're actually starting with a definitive event from the first century when a, a Nazarite, I'm sorry, a Na, someone from Nazareth named Jesus from a forgotten place was ascribed to be the Son of God, the Messiah of Israel, he was crucified and He was raised. And from that point, this message has been bouncing all over the globe, transforming the, the minds and lives of people, have been gathering people together in communities that bear witness to God's truth in the world. Where we begin is a meditation on God's love. That's where we glean wisdom. That's where we gain strength. And notice this last line of Paul. He says, let those who brag brag in the Lord. We're not bragging upon um, other bona fides out there, other things that we could try to say that we belong to this school or to this political platform, all these other things. We're not bragging from that perspective. We're bragging from like this homeless, crucified Jew who was raised from the grave. Like That's where we're going to rally around. That's where our world centers around, is what God did uniquely in Christ at his crucifixion and resurrection. And from that point, we say is a singularity that's changing the world around us. We start there and no other vantage point. Uh, Hopefully that we can find unity there as Christians. We might be diverse on some other issues and topics, but hopefully we can find that that's the starting point for us. We get to meditate on God's love so powerfully displayed on the cross. And from there, we can learn how to live, how to relate to one another, and ultimately how to bear witness to the world of this God who's raised and on the loose, and who's rescuing this world to himself. So with those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you this day that we can make an appeal to the world from a unique place, the place where you vindicated your Son who was left on a cross, left in a grave, but wasn't abandoned there, that you rescued him, you vindicated him, raising him from the dead. And from that point, we find our whole being and our whole reason for existence. We think of that even though we're in this world and there's other rival visions, there's uh, many different ideas on the marketplace that we're not abandoned, that we're not alone, that we're not left without hope or wisdom or strength, to uh, find a way of being for ourselves and our community, but also a way for us to appeal to the world. God, we confess to you that um, this world needs the light of Christ, and you know it as as deeply as we do. And so this day, we pray that you'd breathe upon your church and that we would begin and allow our starting place to be the meditation on the resurrection, that it wouldn't be on uh, popular issues of the day or um, arguments that go back and forth. Um, in public spaces, but our grounding and the shape of who we are and what we say and how we say it would be founded upon the resurrection of Jesus. I pray that as we do that, and as we find unique ways to bear witness to what you're doing in the world, that it'd be not just appealing to people, but it'd be a breath of fresh air, and it'd be ultimately something that people could see as a signpost and find their way back to you. And so God, we pray that from the north and the south and the east and the west, that you draw all people to yourself and that we would marvel at the work that you're doing as you're putting this world back together, the world that you love. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.